Hey everybody, it's Kai. This is Politics Inside Out from Marketplace. Our look at, uh, where are we, Trump plus seven now and where we go economically from here. On the other end of the line is Andrea Seabrook. She is our Washington, D.C. bureau chief. Hello. Hi. Uh, wow, you sound peppier than I am, uh, but that's fine. <laughs> um, so here's what we're, here's what we're going to do today. Uh, we are going to do a couple of questions uh, from you all uh, about some of the things we have talked about in the past. And then we're going to get to some of this discussion uh, of today's events, the last like 18, 24 hours in the life cycle of politics in the American economy. Uh, and hopefully generate some more questions. Um, so here's what we did. We went through my Twitter feed and Andrew's Twitter feed and we um, plucked out some questions. Here's number one. You ready? Ready. All right. Uh, I am especially interested, uh, Jimalytics writes, uh, especially interested in hearing about anticipated economic implications of a Trump presidency. More specifically, how much can Trump directly affect policy with existing checks and balances? A good question on a day when Paul Ryan was reelected Speaker of the House. Absolutely. A great question. In fact, one of the things we've been talking about in our editorial meetings, as you know, Kai, is that the one area that Donald Trump really negotiated or or consulted even with the Republican leadership in the House and Senate was was on economic policy and specifically taxes and uh, spending. And so in many ways, the uh, Donald Trump tax policy mirrors the Paul Ryan tax policy. And there's a good reason he did that. Paul Ryan is a policy wonk. He is the head Republican, the -hmm. the head of the House of Representatives. And anything that is going to happen, speaking of checks and balances, on economic policy when it comes to major spending and tax changes has to go through the House of Representatives. In fact, it's even true on a totally wonky, like, oh, my gosh, I'm a big nerd basis, (laughs) that budget bills must be originated in the House of Representatives. They can't even be originated in the Senate. It is the power of the purse. It's the power of the purse, which is, my goodness, a big, big power in this country. And so to get to the specifics of what that might mean, I think we already know that uh, Trump would like to change income tax brackets. Right now there are, I think, seven. Yeah, I don't even know. Um, He'd like to put it down to three, topping out at 33 percent. I think we talked about this yesterday. The top bracket right now is 40 percent. So that's a pretty big deal. He wants to lower uh, corporate income taxes by, you know, more than half. Uh, betting, as Republicans yeah. uh, often do, that that would create lots of investment in the United States. And, you know, beyond the sort of policy implications, there are two open seats on the Fed board, yeah. right? There yeah. are two open governor seats. Yeah. Donald Trump is no fan of Janet Yellen, mm-hmm. the chairman of the Fed. She still has a couple more years. I think it's to what, January yeah. 2018? 18, right. 18. But there is there's significant pressure for things to change on that side of the, the fiscal side. Right. So so that's the balance part of it, right? I mean, he has consulted with Ryan and he's taking uh, House Republicans' uh, thoughts into consideration as he formulates, we believe, his plans. What about checks? Are there things on, a, on an economic and, and fiscal uh, uh, spectrum that Trump will suggest that Paul Ryan's going to go, hold on there, Mr. President. (laughs) Absolutely. And the biggest one, and this is, you know, something I've heard a lot about today, especially with, as you said, Paul Ryan being reelected the Speaker of the House, Mm -hmm. the debt limit. Yeah. 
the tiny primer on this is like, okay, you've got a credit card. The United States has a credit card. We've been spending more than we've been taking in for years. We've been putting it all in the credit card. We, the United States, have to ask uh, every, you know, six to nine months Mm -hmm. or something, nine to 12, something like that, for uh, somebody to increase our credit limit because we keep running up a balance, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That someone we ask is ourselves. (laughs) Just yeah. to make it super meta. You're, you're, you're getting <laughs> very meta here. Very meta. It's it's Congress. It's yeah. one of the ways that a Republican Congress for the last eight years and really before has kept a check on a Democratic executive branch. Now, Donald Trump and some Republicans are throwing out the idea that maybe they just do this one giant increase or right. they suspend having to even ask for a debt limit increase for a few years. Which is the way it used to be. It used to not be this political thing. It was, this is the way we govern in this country, and let's not make a political deal out of it. And recently, like last eight-ish, ten-ish years, it's been this ginormous deal that every six months we have to say on Marketplace, oh my God, there's a debt limit fight coming, you know? Yeah, hair on fire. Right, exactly. And so, and it doesn't have to be on fire. And the, you know, the irony is that at the moment, in the name of fiscal responsibility, Uh, the the question of raising the debt limit is really not about can we spend more. It's about can we pay the bills we've already run up. Yeah. Uh, um, well, I'm going to say something uh, outrageous here, and I'm going to get you to react to it. Is it possible that fiscal responsibility right now is just out the window, just the hell with it, and and we're going to do what we got to do because we can? This is where my mind goes. We're back to Reaganomics because hmm. during the Reagan era. Or we may be back to Reaganomics. During the Reagan era, the whole idea was that if we cut taxes and invest in the military and a few other things with big money and run up deficits, it will ultimately be really good for the economy. It will stimulate the economy. That was was at least how it was justified then. The problem that the Republicans have is that for the last eight years and really eight years before that, even during the Bush administration, they've been fighting against that idea Mm -hmm. that that you can just I mean, to some extent, it is part of the ideology of the Republican Party that you can grow your way out of deficits. But they certainly haven't acted that way during the Obama administration and not during the last four years of the Bush administration. So so to turn on a dime like that, I think it's politically very Hmm. difficult for Paul Ryan and the Republican Party to say, yeah, you know what? Don't worry about our credit limit. Let's just run up whatever we want for the next four years. I'll tell you what. I actually think that it's going to go exactly the opposite way. I think Ryan now, his job having been saved by the election of Donald Trump, think about that for a minute, right? He is not going to be able to contain the forces uh, in his party who are going to say, and yes, I know there's a whole hawk deficit, deficit hawk thing, but they're going to go, listen, Trump saved the, I know this is going to sound crazy. Trump saved the Republican Party. We are in power. We're going to do all this stuff that we want to do. I just think it's going to go. I would believe that if the Trump administration were a normal administration. Well, yes. Yeah, so there's right. There's, I see. Yeah, yeah, I see these like little jumping beans within the Republican Party all over the place who are saying, well, wait a second. Hmm. This guy might be a ticking time bomb. He might be, you know, that World War One undersea bomb <laughs> that you hit suddenly one day with your ship. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and you we better protect ourselves yeah. from that because every person in Congress, every person in Washington, all those staffers who are advising them, they know that they secretly know 
they'll be here a lot longer, most of them, Oosh, don't than say that any president ever will. You, you know, it's so interesting, though, and, and this is the conversation that, that is happening across this country, this, this dilemma between do we assume the rational actor and that this office will fundamentally change the way he behaves, or he's 70 years old, we've been looking at him now for 18 months and he hasn't changed a whit, why are we thinking he's going to be different? You know, and that goes to economic policy and immigration policy and all those other things. Um, all right. So that's exactly. question one. I, I was going to get to question two, but but I don't want to take this too long. And there's a couple of other things I want to talk about here um, yes, uh, as I shuffle my papers, one of which is um, uh, th- and it goes to Trump, actually, the fact that he is unlike any president we've ever had before in that he is a billionaire. He's a billionaire with a global business and a global brand. And his business affairs will touch practically every aspect of government life. The topic of conflict of interest. How do we deal with this when we've never seen this before? At the risk of sounding like a totally jaded Washington, <laughs> you know, journalist, Lean I in, will baby. say that <laughs> this is one of the parts of this giant story that I find the most exciting. <laughs> hmm. Because for a couple decades, I've seen you know, the Federal Election Commission and the Commerce Department and the General Accounting Administration and, uh, and the mm-hmm. GSA and the IRS, all the, you know, the, the alphabet soup, worry about whether or not there should be rules on these things. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a reason to have those rules. The hmm. electorate has been able to more or less demand and have a candidate bend to its will uh, the tax returns right. of somebody right, right, who right. might come in. Yep. It doesn't it, it hasn't worked. We've never seen a situation where a president who has presumably and from a lot of good reporting from The New York Times and elsewhere uh, saved a lot of money through tax yep. loopholes. Be the person who's coming in and he- putting nominate heading appointing right. the guy in charge of the IRS. Right. Exactly. You know, this is like uncharted territory. And so for somebody who's kind of a institutionalist wonk like I am. Huh. Uh, more interested in how democracy works than how parties work in a lot of yeah. ways. I mean, not to, I don't mean to toot my own horn. No, to no, me, no. it's like, ooh, now we got to, now they're going to have to deal with this. All right, well, th- this they're- is actually interesting. And this goes back to the first episode that we did on Wednesday after Election Day, in which you mm-hmm. said, um, or I, I repeated you back to yourself from the morning meeting that day, which was the results of this election now mean that we know each other as a country. We did not on Tuesday morning, but now we have a much better idea of who we are as a country. This is another step in that progression, right? We are now going to have to yes. deal with some of these issues that have been either either deliberately or just by, by dint of weight of bureaucracy buried for decades, really. Yes, absolutely. And that crosses all sorts of crazy lines. I mean, the, the conflict of interest for presents and businesses has all has been there, actually, mm-hmm. frankly, for, right. you know, decade or two. Uh, it hasn't been as overt. And so in some ways, it's it's better for it to be overt. But, frankly, if if Hillary Clinton had been elected president, we'd have the same problem, except that there would be this sort of half bending to the will of the people to sort of tamp down on the questions of conflict of interest. In some ways, for the institution, it's better to have a direct challenge than sort of a soft one. Uh, yeah, I would offer we're getting more than a direct challenge, right? We are getting now. Yeah. From, well, we are, right? From, so here's a yeah. guy who has a, a multi-billion dollar business, or at least so he tells us, uh, who's going to run the government <laughs> in the United States, who is going to put uh, his businesses in uh, what he calls a blind trust run by his children, which is not in point of fact blind 
anything. It so sure is. He, he is thumbing his nose at convention. And the question is, at what point do norms mean something again? And you have to ask yourself, though, how much do the people really care? Yeah, well, see, that's where we got hosed this entire election, right? I mean, exactly. Dr- right? Reporters reported on taxes and terrible behavior and all this stuff. And uh, the voters said, yeah, yeah we it- don't care. It's like it's like campaign finance law. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do the same story over and over again. You can say mm-hmm. over and over again, look, this guy hasn't released his tax returns. He may be making out like way better than you people. You can do it a million different ways. And if people don't give a care, mm-hmm. <laughs> then it doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah. like what force is there to, to push him into that place? The question is, will he overreach? Will yeah. will he make money off of his uh, you know, off of his business well, he, deals. He's, will, the, guy, he's yeah. the guy who said he could be the only presidential candidate in history to run and make money from the presidency. Right? He's the guy who said yep. Uh, all right. On that topic of questions uh, that uh, uh, listeners might have or that uh, we need answered, uh, get a hold of us. It's uh, at Marketplace. It's at Kai Rosdahl. It's at Radio Babe. Uh, I'll do a better job of getting questions in next time, but uh, we try to keep these not too terribly long because there's well, a lot going on Well, let me, let me just... There. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sh- shout out. I, I want yeah. some questions, too, about... I'm, I'm interested in talking to people about what's going on in Washington, how this place is different... Um, from other mm-hmm. transitions. And, you know, yep. yeah, all yeah. these questions we've talked about, there, what they mean here. There was a great piece in the New York Times the other day about, maybe mm-hmm. today, in fact, about how Washington is worried about losing its cultural moment. That yes. with somebody like Donald Trump, with the gilded ceilings and, and all of this coming in, that maybe snooty tooty elitist Washington is going to have a little comeuppance. I don't buy it, by the way. Really? All right. <laughs> I all do right. not. All right. I well, let's, let's, we, we will discuss that at, at, another, uh, at another time, maybe tomorrow. All right. We got to go. Yeah. Uh, uh, hit us up with what you want to know, and we'll talk about it later. Bye. Right on. Bye. This is APM.